Hey guys, Carrie here. Before we get into this week's episode, I just wanted to give you a heads up about some technical issues that were happening. My computer has decided to start overheating at random points, so you will hear my computer fan kick on at some points, and we also ended up having to kind of record this in bits and pieces due to that issue, so there are some differences in the audio quality at a few points. I apologize and am in the process of trying to figure out what's going on so we can fix it, and hopefully next week we'll be all back to normal. But for now, here's 100 Days. of Opportunity, a Stargate Rewatch podcast. I'm Carrie. I'm Rachel. And today we're talking about Stargate SG-1 Season 3, Episode 17, 100 Days. I remembered this one, too. You did? That's two in a row. It's a new <laughs> record for us. I must have actually been paying attention when we watched these the first time. <laughs> uh, well, I think kind of like mid-Season 3 is when the show really starts like finding its groove and like figuring out like what kind of show it is. Mm-hmm. So things aren't quite so haphazard, I guess, if you will. After all this time. Well, we'll have to start paying more attention if that's yeah. actually correct. I suppose. Mm-hmm. Yes. There is one thing that bugs me about this episode. It's for some reason, the episode not being titled 100 days just like twigs my brain a little bit. Like, why oh. is it a hundred? Why isn't it 100 day? I don't, I don't know why it's a stupid little thing, but there you have it. Um, probably cause they, they took it from the script of what, what she says in her story. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, that would, that would get you. That would get the English major in you. It does. It does. Yeah. Even though a hundred is a very valid grammatical wording. I don't know why. When it's a title of something, it should be like 100. But maybe it's just me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, they. I was actually trying to like remember. He's not actually on the planet for 100 days. It's just that she tells the story of her mourning her husband, right? Yeah. I mean, he's so, probably there for close to 100 days. It's it's. There's a period of time, and then there's a time jump to three months later. So it's sort of three months, which would be 90, 93 days, plus maybe a week. So it's probably close to 100 days for Jack, too. Yeah, so it it makes more... So I would say 100 days is is more of the, you know, more fable story-like than just chronicling, chronologically, chronicles, the chronicles (laughs) of him on the planet. Okay. I guess that makes sense. Yeah, coming in as uh, from like a story fable, yeah, kind of thing. Yeah, I guess that works. That's my hundred days story. <laughs> well, I appreciate it. <laughs> to it. All right, 
Proceed. Um, well, before we get into this week's episode, um, the Stargate convention was this past weekend Yay! in Chicago. It was. I did not attend because I no longer live in Chicago. Which makes us very sad, and we missed you very much. Thank you. Thank you. But everybody who couldn't be there, we missed you. You know who you are. We miss you, and we love you. And we, maybe soon, hopefully, we can see you at another convention. So it was great because, like, the Creation Stargate convention was my first convention ever in 2004. So, like, it was like it was like going back home. It was like I almost like I teared up a little bit Friday when I got there for the first time and saw the whole like salute to Stargate and like the backdrop up on stage behind like where the guests were talking and it was just like. Are they always called salute to Stargate? Yes. Yeah, that's their their thing. Yes. Yeah. Right. Everything else is just kind of just the name of the show. I don't know why they kind of stopped naming them, but yeah, it's the cre- it's Creations Salutes to Stargate is the name of this convention. I don't remember how many Stargate conventions I've actually been to with you. I know we've been to a lot of conventions together, but I'm trying yes. to remember how many were specifically Stargate. I actually don't think it's more than like two or three. Yeah. yeah. It's been a few, though. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, not all the Stargate ones. But Others it was just... Those that <laughs> it shall not yeah. be named. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, but it was really great to see everybody. If if you're a listener out there who was there, you um saw me up on stage um at the cabaret, both during the trivia thing. Which oh my god, there was one question that I like totally blanked on, and I'm totally mad at myself, and I can't remember the question now. But it was like about like an episode title, and he came over and asked me, and I just got that like modem startup noise in my brain where I was like, I have no idea. <laughs> Don't I? I just, my brain went blank. It was. Did it turn out to be something that you totally should have known? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. no. For sure. I was oh. like, oh, of course that's what it is. Oh, but here's a question I did get right. That is an interesting question. I'm going to propose to you, Rachel. Oh crap. Who is the first member of SG1 that we see on screen? First member of SG1 that we see on screen. Yes. Is it Teal? It is Tilk! Congratulations! Yay! Good job. <laughs> Yay! Yep. Right. I did get that one right. The other guy hey. was Jack. I was like, it's not Jack, it's Tilk. Mm-hmm. So, but I did come back and end up winning the trivia night thanks to Dan and Alex. So I got some cool flags from that. Oh, and then um, I got a tote bag that got autographed by everybody there, oh. all of the guests. Autographed and a couple like eight by tens that they signed too. Yeah. And then Colin made me break down on stage. So that was fun. Sorry about that. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a really good weekend. Yay. And I wish I remembered more about what people talked about, but it was, it's just kind of all a blur and I'm old now and don't remember things very well anymore. So I got to take pictures and video and I know I do archive things. Yeah. I should have been taking notes. I don't know. I should like start taking notes on like interesting things people say so I can remember yeah. the interesting things that people say. You're going to have to do that as a podcaster. I know. Now that I'm a podcaster, I got to do that. No, there was one interesting story from Terrell, who plays Janet Frazier. Um, the first time Janet like fires a gun on screen, mm-hmm. like so she goes up, she's doing the thing and she can't like cock the gun because Terrell's all like five foot nothing. And, like, just her hand, like, she just didn't have the, like, the dexterity and the hand strength to actually be able to, like, cock the gun back. So they had to, like, go digging through and find a gun that she could, like, actually use. For, like, oh, her that's space. funny. 
I thought up. she would have then had to do it like Old West style where they just <laughs> didn't no. like the two hand. No, so they went and like found her a different gun that she could actually more easily, you know, maneuver and manipulate with her dimin- diminutive size. So, yeah, I do remember that. They go get her one of those tiny like purse guns <laughs> that are the size of like a pack of cards. She's just in her BDUs, off world, <laughs> pulled out of the like. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah. Um. What else? Um. Tony Amendola often gets mistaken for F. Marie Abraham. And he apparently a few years ago decided that when he's presented with F. Murray's Abraham headshot to just start signing his name on it rather than trying to be like, oh, no, that's that's not me. Sorry. No, mm. you're the wrong guy. Oh, he, just, he just starts signing Tony Amendola on F. Murray Abraham's uh, headshots. Because why not? That, oh, I'm trying to think of like, should he have written like, sorry, wrong dude. Or like, <laughs> or, I, know. I, I love this guy. <laughs> not Doesn't that happen in a movie? Uh, no, uh, oh, crap. Oh, you no, know what movie my I'm brain too. thinking of, right? Yeah. Where somebody comes up and interrupts, like, an actor guy who's, like, having a Notting Hill. That's what it is. When Julia Roberts is in, the like, the bookstore the first time, and the dude was trying to steal the book, and she's like, blah, 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 don't steal books. Oh, you're Rufus, you belong in jail. Yes, that's yeah. what I was thinking of. Not the same thing. <laughs> I was thinking that was the same thing. But anyway. Anyway. No, yeah. I feel like there has been a movie, though, where, I mean, it's a frequent gag of, like, no, I'm not that guy. But I feel like there is a, a movie scene where somebody gives somebody something to sign for a different actor, and he just goes with it and signs something else. Yeah, there's got to be. <sighs> somebody out there, tell us what movie we're thinking of. <laughs> somebody somebody else read our minds. Somebody out there knows and is yelling at their phone as they listen to us going in. <laughs> Oh, I saw a thing where someone said, this is the closest feeling that you have to To knowing what a ghost ghost. feels like. I was going to say that, too. Somebody made that joke, and I was like, yes. You know a trivia that someone else on the radio can't answer. Yep. What else? Do you remember anything interesting? Anything else? I don't know. Whole thing was interesting. So you had things signed. You took yeah. photos with people. Yeah, photo ops are great. Was the crowd particularly large? It wasn't that big. I mean, there was definitely, I think, more people than I was expecting. There were a lot of new people, like people who like recently started watching Stargate. So I remember All somebody of this podcast, I'm sure. Of course, because yes. everybody's listening to us. Now, I forget Absolutely. who it was up on stage that asked, was like, who's, you know, been to conventions forever? Ah, who's, this is their first convention. Who's been watching Stargate since, you know, that kind of thing. And there were a lot of people that were like, who just recently started watching Stargate. And there was a good amount of people that like, raised their hands. And I was like, well, that's really awesome. So it's all so. the people on Netflix that are like, what is this thing? Why are there 10 seasons of it? What's going on? Yeah. I have mm-hmm. met people that, like, fairly recently, um, that just have no clue what Stargate is. We start off by being like, oh, yes, I do a podcast. It's fun, whatever. It's about Stargate. And then, like, blank face. Like, what? Like, okay, yeah. we will start at the beginning. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Once upon a time. Yes. But, yeah. I mean, 
creation cons in themselves are just a whole different kind of animal. I mean, there's like, you know, there's Wizard World and like Fan Expo, whatever, those sort of multi-fandom things, but creation is just one show for a whole weekend. So rather than having, you know, like two to three guests from a show, you get everybody, like all the, like the guest stars, the, you know, recurring character. It's just, if you can ever find a creation con near you and it's for a show you like, go. Because you will love it and have a great time. Yeah, like, there's always a lot of love in the room. There's karaoke. There's cabarets. It's just, it's like the best time, always. Yep. Yeah. Do it. Yes. I think that's all I got for now. Okay. Five, five stars would highly recommend. Oh, yeah. Ten yeah. stars. I'm giving it ten stars. Oh, man. Yeah. That's a lot of stars. It would highly recommend. Oh, Recommend yeah. twice. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Yay! Well, I'm glad it's back on its feet. Yes. Does Yay. it seem like it was going to be a yearly thing again? Because they multiple times they've been like this is the last one, you guys. Yeah. Well, I mean, sci-fi they... shows in general where they <laughs> yeah where people well, die and come back. They did it this year because it's the 25th anniversary. Because it premiered in 1997. Mm. So it's been 25 years. So I mean, I don't know. Maybe if we actually get a new series. On like on Amazon or something, maybe, but I don't know. It might become like an every five year thing, you know. So we'll have one for like the thirtieth, and I don't know. But yeah. yeah. And at these Stargate conventions, it is a mix of all things Stargate. Yes, all of the spinoffs, all yeah. of the ever. Except it there were just SG one. Yeah. yeah. Except this weekend, there were no universe people. It was just SG-1 and Atlantis people this year, which was interesting. Cause, interesting. Yeah. They've usually, like, once universe started, they had started having, you know, yeah, SG-1, Atlantis, and universe people. But, yeah. Have they, they should... ever had any of the guests from the movies? I mean, it's all things Stargate. Um, no, because it is kind of specifically the show so the only movie people are the people from the movie who made the transition to the show, which is um, Alex and Alexis Cruz. And I don't know. A panel with Kurt Russell <laughs> <laughs> would have been awesome. I, I don't think we'll – if we can't get Rick, you think we can get Kurt? I, mm. God, the two of them together? Ah! It's the two O'Neills. Yes. Can you imagine that photo op? Oh, my God. Amazing. Amazing. I'm going to put that out into the universe. The two O'Neills photo op. You heard it here first, folks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, you didn't because it's not the thing. Um, <laughs> well, speaking of O'Neill, should we get to this week's episode? Yes, let's do. Okay. So this is, as we said, 100 days. It originally aired on February 4th, 2000. The story is by V.C. James with a teleplay by Brad Wright and was directed by David Worry Smith. And in this episode, after a meteor strike buries the Stargate, Jack finds himself stranded on a planet with no hope of rescue. <gasps> no. Tell me more. So we start on a planet where it's like it's in the evening and SG-1 are sitting with a woman named Lara. And it seems like they've been here for quite a while. Like they seem to be quite friendly with this woman, Lara. And they are awaiting the arrival of the quote-unquote fire rain that comes on the same night every year. Whenever they start an episode 
already on the planet, I always have that moment of like, wait, is this a continuation of something? Did I miss something? Is there, I feel like I start it in the middle. It's great for variety. I like when they do it, but I always have that split second of like, wait, is there something that happened that I should know? Did I miss something? Were we here like three weeks ago and I forgot? Yeah. So the fact that the fire rain comes the same night every year is very interesting to Sam because having a meteor shower on the exact same night every year is very unusual unless the planet's orbit passes through an asteroid belt and don't ruin the fun for Jack, Sam. And then we see a meteor. Quiet with your nerdery. (laughs) Take the science out of this, Sam. (laughs) He asked her, like, don't take the fun out. And she's like, sorry. Sorry, sorry. Um, So then we see a meteor, or falling star, as Daniel calls it. And Tilk adds that on Chulak, it's called Telpak Cry, which also means, uh, interestingly enough, falling star. And then there is a very big meteor that is very close, like, too close. And SG-1 is starting to get a little concerned and Lara's picking up on it and she's like, what, what's going on? And Sam's like, that was a near miss. Like, if that had hit, they just like very bad news. So Sam and Daniel are both going to like look into things in the morning because they kind of need to know what's going on and if this could get worse. Yeah. I like this scene because the, what's the character on the planet? Lara. Lara. Yes, and she's like, oh, that's beautiful. It comes all the time. Look at it. It's great. It's going to be lighting up the sky. And then she looks at everybody's face, and she's like, what? Did I say something, something wrong? Something is wrong. I, yeah. I like the exchange. Yeah. And so we come back from the opening credits, and we're in Lara's house, and it seems to be the next morning. And Sam is going over the planet's orbit with Lara with these very complicated and detailed um, orbital charts of like the entire solar system, which how many that that takes a long time to get that kind of data. So like how many telescopes like do they have? Do they put like satellites in orbit? Like how how they shouldn't have this information? I know it falls into the discussion we've been having and trying to figure out how much research is done about a planet before they go there. Yeah. It seems very contradictory to the planets that they show up at where they find out they're, you know, stuck in a room. Yeah. And so and Sam's like asking questions about like what happened last night, if anything like that had happened before with like meteors maybe impacting the ground at all. And Lara says not in her lifetime or like her father's lifetime. But there is a story that happened many, many years ago where, according to Lara, on the second day of the fire rain, there was a distant thunder and the horizon burned as though the sun never set. So at some point in the past, there was apparently an impact on the planet. So that's interesting. Yes. Uh, Jack then enters and they figure out who's going on. Daniel's mission to the caves for rock sampling and a young man called Garen, who is Lara's son, will show Daniel and Tilk to the caves and Sam wants to head back to Earth to run some calculations through the computers there. So Lara and Jack will get started on the treaty between Earth and Adora. Did you recognize that the actor that plays his son also was in an episode of Psych? Yes. And he comes back in Atlantis too, as well as the young girl. They're like in the same episode of Atlantis. Oh, that is. Yeah. Garen and Natha. Naitha. He gets around. Yeah. So, Does he count as Vancouver Bingo then? I don't know because I don't know his name. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what's his name? Let me find it. Um, 
do do here, there, and here. Shane Meyer. Ooh. Yeah, let's see. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, he's got like a ton of ang oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh. <laughs> he apparently played young MacGyver in an episode of MacGyver. <laughs> He played Richard Dean Anderson as a child. In an that's episode. funny. <laughs> there you go. That's interesting. Okay. Yeah, let's put Shane Meyer on the Vancouver Actors Bingo list. Yay. All right. There you go. All, All right. right. Great, Shane Meyer. Okay. Get it. Good for you, Shane Meyer. All right. Um, so in the cave, Daniel's doing some tests, apparently, on various rock layers that are visible in the caves. And it seems that there's a massive meteor event about every 150 years. And it's been about that long since the last one. And Daniel kind of looks at Tilka's like, did you really have to say that? And Tilka's like, why not tell them the truth? So because it's kind of likely that there's going to be another one, especially with what happened last night. So which I agree with. I mean, yes. Because yeah. they don't seem freaked out by technology or think that it's like witchcraft, you know. No. So they seem pretty yeah. hip. Yeah. So back in the SGC, Sam is explaining the situation to General Hammond, who's a little wary about trying to evacuate an entire planet. But Sam points out that these are the last descendants of the people that were brought to Adora by the ghoul. And I guess this is the only village on the planet. Which I'm so happy that they finally addressed that because we've talked about that too. So I love that Hammond yeah. was like, we can't evacuate an entire planet of people. Yeah. And Sam's like, don't worry, it's just a little village. Yeah. Um, love and, it. Yes. And she does mention that, you know, if the meteor strikes are just in a sort of small localized area, they should be able to go home in a few days once the worst of it is over. And if not, they'll at least have been able to save these people from catastrophic destruction. Yeah. Bonus. Yep. So Jack and Lara are walking around Adora and they meet Painan, who's fishing. Uh, he and some of the others are a little uneasy about what Earth could want with the people of Adora as far as trade goes, considering the like technological differences between the two of them. And what Earth wants is that Adora is apparently very rich in Naquita, which you know we don't have on Earth, but is really good for making weapons to fight the Big Bad Gould. So in return for allowing the SGC to mine for the Nacrida, you know, Earth can help them with like medicine and technology and education and all that good stuff and they could be friends. And Lara's like, aren't we already friends? And Jack's like, well then we could be closer friends. And apparently Lara's mother has warned her about men who want to be closer friends. So then Jack will negotiate. So Jack's like, well I'll negotiate with your mother then so there's no conflict of interest. So I think Lara's got a little crush. Love that. I mean, who wouldn't really though? Mm. And suddenly a meteor shoots through the sky and Lara's never seen that happen during the day before. So this is something new. Luckily, Sam's back and Jack's over there. They're like, did anybody else see that? And she's like, yeah, I saw it. This is we we got to go. This is not not good things are happening. So back in the caves, Daniel has found some pottery that seems to indicate people maybe once took shelter in the caves for a period of time. And Tilk suggests that maybe during one of the previous meteor bombardments, which I was just like, good word, Tilk, bombardment. Just, I like that word. It's a good word. Okay. Um, 
that perhaps the people of Adora hid in the caves to stay safe, and they get the call over the radio to head back to the village ASAP. So in the village square, Jack is trying to convince everyone to leave with them, to go back to Earth so they don't get wiped out by the meteor. But Painin is like a meteor denier and refuses to go with them because he's like, everything's been fine before. It'll be fine this time. And he's like, what? You want to stay? You can stay. Fine. Lara speaks up and is like, I've become friends with these people. I know it seems scary, but I'm going to go. If you want to go, meet us at the Stargate. And a very large meteor then swoops across the sky, hitting a nearby mountain and making the ground shake. And it's like, all right, time to go. Like right now. Pack up what you need. We've got food and water, just like clothes and essentials. Everything else you can stay. So Lara's packing to go and calls out to Garen to remember to pack something from his father, but Garen's not there. So she Damn runs. To, kids ruining everything. I know. Every so time. She runs to find SG1 and asks if they've seen Garen and Daniel and Tick. Like, well, he came back with us, but then mentioned what they found in the caves. And so it seems likely that Garen went there. Which so, I don't. I don't understand his decision to like, no, we're going to run and hide the mountains and not tell anybody. I know. Instead of like, leave the planet that will have 100% safety. We'll take our chances in a cave that could collapse. It makes zero sense. Because like, also, why didn't he try to bring his mom? I know. We'd be like, mom, we have a place to go. Yeah. We found caves where it looked like people were fine. Let's do it. Let's go. It makes zero sense to me why he and his girlfriend would just be like, yeah, yeah. we're just going to let's just leave. Let's just go. I'm just, just going to go with dumb kids. Yeah. Yeah. So Jack orders everyone to, like, start the evacuation as he and Lara run to the caves to try and get Garen. So in the gate room, they're awaiting the arrival of refugees as Daniel helps everyone through on Adora. And there's just, like, more and more meteors are falling and Sam can't get a hold of Jack. And he and Lara have reached the caves where Garen is with Natha, the young woman he was with earlier. And they show her, like, we brought supplies to, like, wait out the meteors. And Jack's like, we got it. We have a plan. Let's stick to the plan. But, like, the meteors, like, are just coming harder, faster. And, like, they can't, like, wait for Jack. So Daniel, you know, heads through. Sam and Tilk try to give him a few more minutes. But it's just not going to happen. And there's a meteor that's, like, heading straight for the gate. Because, of course, so Sam and Tilk jump through at the very last moment. The wormhole back on Earth starts to destabilize. Luckily, they make it through and Tilk's like, send me back right now. And Sam's like, you can't. That meteor, like, hit the gate. It's not safe to go back right now. Let's wait 24 hours and then we can go. So wait 24 hours, send them out. If it's safe, they'll all go back. And then Tilk has pouty face. He does. He's like, but I can't, I need to save my friends. Mm-hmm. So back on Adora, it's now night. There are fires visible in the distance from the caves, but it's starting to rain. So hopefully that should help. And Jack is trying to call anybody on the radio, but obviously gets no response. So they really have no choice but to just wait as meteors like, continue to fall. Yeah. yeah. So the next day, the SGC dials up Adora. It connects, which is a good sign. They send the map through, but get nothing. No telemetry, no communications, no nothing, which would indicate that the map was basically destroyed as soon as it reached Adora. So until Sam can tell Hammond exactly what's going on, the rescue mission is scrubbed and the people of Adora will be guests on Earth for a bit longer. 
So you know what I like about this whole. Sorry, I'm totally getting you off. But what no, I like about this off. whole adventure of of trying so hard to get back to the planet hmm. is because it's also getting the population of this planet back to their home. I feel yeah. like if this episode had only been where Jack was stuck and the SGC spent all of this time and energy just going back to get Jack, I would actually have a problem with it because they wouldn't have done that for anybody on the team or, you know, yeah. like any, any of the SGC. I mean, we've countless times. How many SG teams have gone missing? I know. How, many times, how many times has Daniel been left for dead? Yeah. I know. Like, so, so the fact that, not only is this, you know, Jack, but it's getting all of these refugees back home yeah. makes all the effort okay to me. I would agree. Here's another interesting thing. I don't know. We can mention it here. But I read that at one point, who is it, Brad? Yeah, Brad Wright in an interview had said he thought this should have been a two-parter. Oh. Just because, oh. I don't know. Maybe we can think about that as we go through the rest of the episode and we can, if we agree, if that would have helped or not. You know what? It actually might have communicated better to the audience, like the separation. If they had it where Jack gets stuck, Jack is and had like, okay, the moment where it looks like he's really not coming back and he's going to have to start being one of the people. And then like part two mm -hmm. starts out after he's been there a while. Okay. You know, I think yeah. that actually kind of communicate to the audience that time adjustment because they right. would have had the week apart i mm. think that would have done really well that would have been yeah because i was trying to figure out so where i was trying to figure out like if you do make this a two-parter where where do you split it mm -hmm. and yeah yeah i think that would be a good place to cut it yeah yeah because then you could adjust much better to the fact that jack is like okay he's with these people now yeah Back on Adora, Jack, Lara, and the kids head back to the village, and inside Lara's house is Painan and just a handful of other people. Apparently, one of the meteors struck Telmar's home and killed the three families that were inside, so this, like, dozen or so people are the only ones left in the village of the people who had stayed. Mm -hmm. And uh, he then says that after a few days, they went to the Stargate to see what was there. And he's like, well, where the Stargate used to be. And Jack is like, what? The what now? Where it used to, used to be, like as in past tense. So he runs out back to the gate, but there's no gate. It's just a massive crater. Lara's like, people like will probably never huge, come. Huge, like a city block crater. Yeah, this is massive. So yeah. uh, it, it's looking like Jack's, Jack's going to have a bit of trouble going home and a bit of trouble with people of Adora coming back to Adora. Yeah. So. That would be an interesting moment to dive into of just, you know, where you show up to this huge crater of yeah. what used to be your way home. Like, what do you think other than fuck? Probably <laughs> that for like a solid hour. <laughs> fuck, 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 fuck. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yeah. So back in Lara's house, it's time for dinner. She brings out some very large loaves of very delicious looking bread to share, and she says a small prayer in thanks to the ancestors. And Jack comes back in, and Painan kind of blames Jack for like their people being gone and like their friends and family being separated. And Jack is like, if you had listened to me, 
this wouldn't have happened and everyone would be safe and together on Earth. This is not my fault. Yep. So he goes, so Jack goes to leave, but Lara insists that he stays because it's her house and she gets to decide who is a guest in her house. And Jack is one of those people. Indeed. So back at the SGC, they're trying to contact Adora again, but it's just the same thing. The wormhole connects and the mouth is sent, but nothing once it reaches the other side. Sam believes that it's because that since the wormhole was active when the meteor hit the gate, the Naquita, I guess that's just in the ground, melted and solidified like over the active wormhole into and so it formed like something like an iris like they have on Earth. So it can connect, but nothing can get through. So unfortunately, since there's nothing they can do, they have no way to penetrate an iris of solid Naquita. Hammond is calling off the like rescue mission permanently, declaring Jack officially missing in action. And everybody's like, wait, 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 what? Hold, we can't. It's been like two days. We can't do that yet. We have allies with spaceships. Daniel's like, let me at least try and calling somebody to see if they can help. And Hammond's like, okay, you can do that. But like going through the gate to Adora is like off the table for like right now, unless a miracle happens, basically. I don't remember if they actually follow up with any of that stuff. If Daniel's ever like, I couldn't get in touch with them or they said no or. Uh, Janet actually has a line in a little bit. She does. Okay. Yeah. Because I was trying to think of that too. Okay. Yeah. Proceed. Okay. So we then get a quick scene back on Adora with Jack kind of like just laying on the floor of Lara's house, just looking completely forlorn and morose. And she brings in a shirt she had made for her late husband and, you know, thinks it should fit him. And Jack's like, you know, there's a chance the gate's just buried. And Larry's like, we have a lot of rebuilding to do before the harvest starts. So you need to like, forget about this whole searching for the gate thing, because we got shit to do. Yeah. Like rebuild our society. And they need all the help they can get. You're a young, strong man. We're going to put you to work, basically. Which I like. Yeah. That she's like, I feel you, but... No. We got bigger fists to, to deal with we, right we now. We have than things just... to do right now. Yep. So back at the SGC, Sam has an idea. Or, well, Sokar had an idea that she now wants to sort of pilfer. And that that's a particle beam generator. So would you like to know about particle beam generators? I would love to know about particle beam generators. Okay. This is this is very this is very surface level. Cause you actually I... found information about this on the Internet? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I shouldn't be surprised. Yeah. But. <laughs> there's a, there's many like wiki and scientific articles about particle beam generators, or as they are also known, particle accelerators. Ah. They use uh, a high energy and focused beam of either atomic or subatomic particles to damage a target by disrupting its molecular structure. This is usually caused by superheating the target and causing it to then fail in some way, especially if there's like electronics involved. So if you kind of think about like a microwave, a microwave heats up food by like getting down and making the atoms like, you know, the water molecules shake on like a subatomic level. That's basically what a particle beam generator does. So did they invent these because they were trying to make Star Wars weapons? No, these have been, they've been around for like years. The, Particle beam generators are, like... Years as in since the 70s, when Star Wars um, came out. What does this say? Oh, this is, why does this have any dates in it? Hmm. Um, 
do, 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 do. I don't know why there's no dates in this article that I read. Well, that's dumb. But um, <laughs> like I'm sure particle science yeah. was clearly around since before then. But actual yeah. particle beam or particle accelerator beam generator, probably. I'm yeah. They were just trying to make Star Wars weapons. Maybe possibly. Um, so like so the beam itself, like so the particle, like the actual beam itself, is generated by electromagnetic fields and then electrostatic lenses, quote unquote, focus and sort of aim the beam um usually these types of things are very large like the large hadron collider is a particle accelerator Mm -hmm. so they aren't very effective as weapons however you may have once upon a time had a particle accelerator or two even in your very own home because a pointer huh (laughs) a laser pointer (laughs) no cathode ray tubes like those found in like old tvs and computer monitors are a type of particle accelerator. Uh, that would predate Star Wars. It does, yes. So, I stand corrected. I stand very much corrected. Yep. Okay, so the particle beam generator, like, basically they want to, or Sam wants to, like, blast through the gate, let it heat up the naquita as it does, shut down the gate, and immediately dial it back, because the kawoosh would then be able to push through the now, like, molten-slash-liquid naquita, and make a sort of cavern that at least one person could be able to fit inside, which Hammond's like, well, that's going to be Tilk, obviously. Which, I mean, yeah. Um, the so the only problem with this plan is uh, they don't currently have a particle beam generator, so Sam would have to build one. Right. Which, right. yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. They couldn't get one from somewhere? Well, as I said, they're like the size of the Large Hadron Collider. Yeah. Oh, yes, so, that's right. You know, not really portable type technology at this point. Uh, true. Uh, yep. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Okay. That's fair. So, yeah. So Jack is now digging at the pit around where the gate was, and Garen brings him dinner, and Jack's like, I'm not hungry. And he's like, you've been working in the field. You need to eat because now you're here. And Garen kind of apologizes since he thinks it's kind of like his fault that Jack can't go home. But, you know, Jack obviously doesn't blame him because he's not the kind of guy that would do that. So mm-hmm. so Dr. Frazier brings Sam some coffee as she continues to work on getting a particle beam generator up and running. And Sam knows it's going to take time, but she doesn't want to just, like, leave Jack waiting and thinking that, you know, we forgot or we didn't try or anything so, uh, Fraser also mentions that Daniel heard from the Tolan, who should have a ship near Adora sometime next year. Ah, yes, yes, yes. Oh, All yeah. right, thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then we kind of get some hints here that there might be more than, like, professional feelings from Sam to Jack, but, like, it's not a problem at all. It's totally fine. Well, so I find it interesting about the scene is that, Dr. Frazier says, like, you miss him, but she says it almost like she's surprised. Like, of course, on any level, he's going to be missed. Yes. So she says it as like, oh, you miss him. Like, like it's a, like it's a new, a new secret. She's unveiled. I don't. Yeah. It's weird how she said it. A little bit. Yeah. But yeah. So Jack is brooding as he tosses stones into a pond and Lara comes to get him and expresses concern over there being another meteor shower. But Jack's like, no, Daniel says we'll be fine. We'll be fine. 
So Lara's then like, come on, let's go home. And, you know, because she likes his company. And Jack's like, I don't even like my own company right now. And she then commiserates sort of with the sort of grief that he's going through and says that, uh, like, after her husband died, she just stayed in her house for 100 days. Episode title. And, like, didn't talk to anyone or, like, didn't leave the house, didn't see anyone, didn't talk to anyone. And then one day she left her house and talked to people. So he, like, takes her hand and they walk off. And I really like this transition because it's like the camera sort of pans to follow them, then sort of pans back. And now it's three months later and Jack's, like, in a canoe in that pond. Mm-hmm. I just, I, I just, I really liked how that transition worked. Yeah. yeah, I like I like the story, too, where she's like, you know, for 100 days, I didn't go anywhere, I didn't talk to anybody, I didn't do anything. He's like, well, what did you do? How did you, what, what happened? She's like, one day I just went outside and I went places and I talked to you, you know, and it was that yeah. simple because that's the way it, you know, that's the way it happens. And that's you, what I, it is. I really it's... liked how that was written. Yeah, it did work. Yeah, that worked mm-hmm. for me, too. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, so no, it is now three months later. And it kind of seems like Jack is really like becoming a part of this community and like Payton has even invited him over for dinner and thanks for helping rebuild his house. And Jack's like, you know, whatever I can do, I will. And Lara then begins to ask him for something and is like, okay, no, not yet. And Jack's like, come on, what, what, what can I do for you? And so Lara just kisses him and he's like, oh, okay. And that kisses her back. So kind of seems like this Jack thing is on. Which I also like. I like them as a couple. I like them both. I do, too. I think she's sweet. Mm Mm-hmm. So it's back to the SGC and time to fire up the particle beam generator thing. Yay. And off it goes. And back on Adora. This is is where the episode starts, like, kind of bouncing back and forth really, really quickly between, like, Earth and Adora. Um, Yeah. So back in Adora, it seems everybody kind of seems to be gathered together for it's like it's like some kind of party. There's some kind of like moonshine thing that Jack is like, give me more. It's disgusting, but give me more. Yeah. Um, and there's some kind of like courting game being played where Garen is blindfolded, but then finds his way back to Natha. And yay, like the ancestors want them to be together. Surprise. True love. Well, yay. And then yeah. Jack gets dragged out into the floor where he's blindfolded. And then he finds his way back to Lara. And they hug and kiss. Oh, my God. They're, like, so cute and adorable. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> so particle beam generator bit of the SGC plan is done. They're sending the MALP through. And it appears to make it because we do actually get, like, some kind of video coming back. But then the transmission gets cut off. And so they replay that little sort of snippet of video footage that they had. And it appears that the gate is horizontal. So basically the map went through the gate, but then just fell right back through the event horizon once it reached the other side because of gravity. How How is the front of the gate determined? Like, why? <laughs> this I is could, another stupid had... question, but like, why did it go up and not down? Like, is, where, how how is the front of the gate deter- determined? I don't well, I, I couldn't figure out how they really determined that the gate was horizontal. I mean, yes, they could figure out logically, okay, it must be horizontal because if we got them out for a second and then it left, it's probably because it like went up and then it went <clears throat> and whatever. Like, they could figure it out. Yeah. But if they say it's from the video that we determined it was horizontal, I don't know if there was supposed to be any indication 
in the video, which yeah. is a cave, yeah. so, huh? Yeah. Also, yeah. it was really pretty spirals in the cave. How did it really, how did the kawoosh make that particular shape? I don't Good. know, but I liked it. Because that's the kawoosh shape in Antarctica. So that's what the kawoosh shape is. It was the exact on. same shape. Okay, I'll go yeah. with it because it was pretty. And I liked it. it was or it was similar enough. I don't know if it was completely identical, but it was like similar enough. Okay, because I I only like observing the kawoosh every other time it makes one. It's just like a <laughs> with water. I never particularly notice any sort yeah. of actual pattern in the kawoosh going outward. Yeah. The interesting thing though is that shape. If you remember from the movie. Like after the gate connects for the first time, there's sort of that shot over the gate and you see on the backside of the gate, there is like a cone shape. Kind of the the puddle kind of trails off into a cone shape on the backside of the gate in the movie. Never happens in the show, but in the movie, it's kind of that cone shape of which is actually like post kawoosh. So I don't know, but somebody said that's the shape the kawoosh makes when it pushes through solid things. So yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I liked it. It was cool. Okay, yeah. Well. So um, anyway, so yeah, so there's now a small cavern around the gate, and Tilk will have to somehow secure himself to something, or like the same thing's gonna—he's just gonna go through and like fall back through. So how how did you think they would do this? Because I have ideas that are not the idea they went with. Oh, how they would get Tilk out there? Yeah. Um. I mean, I feel like they should have harpooned straight through the thing, and he should. <laughs> but here's the thing. Okay, but when they do that, like, that shouldn't work, because Stargates only transmit full objects, and the harpoon is attached to the rope that's still on Earth, so the whole harpoon is not through the gate, so the harpoon can't exit the gate. Yeah, that's true. Damn you and your logic. I just threw that out there. Logic- it would have been awesome, though, right? Well, that's what they did. Hmm. But they shouldn't have been able to. My dumb idea is, like, log roll through the gate, so you end up, like, laying on the gate, and then you can attach yourself. Well, the gate isn't... Like, lay down on the ramp, and, like, like log roll through the gate, so you come out and you'll roll onto the gate. (laughs) No, because... No? Mm. Because he wouldn't be, that's with the logic that, like, he would be falling down once he got it. I don't know if he would have ended up in the right place. Yeah, okay. Also, if there would have been a big enough edge around the lip of the gate of the kawoosh. True. Well, there is at least, like, the oh, gate itself. Here's my what? question, though, that I yeah. just, popped, just popped into my little brain. Um, The particle beam and the kawoosh does it expand larger than the gate area itself to also include the little lip that is the stargate that would oh, yeah. free free the stargate coordinates to move. Those should well, back. Only the Earth gate spins. No, but like the the do the chevrons still move? Like up and down the little things that lock it, or they no, they just light up everywhere else. Um, yeah, for for incoming wormholes, they just light up. Okay, so it didn't actually need to move. Yeah. But I know, I know what you mean now. Yeah, the 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 chevrons doing the like thing. Yeah, the locky dude. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Now that I think about it, those don't move; they just light up. 
Well, okay, then that works. Okay. Well, anyway, so Took's going to figure something out so he doesn't fall through the gate. That's where we're at. Um, so post-party back on Adora, Jack and Lara are back at Lara's house, and Garen's not there. <clears throat> so uh, Jack is kind of like, huh, okay, uh, I'm, I'm probably going to have a bitch of a headache from all the moonshine I drank, so I'm going to, like, get a head start on that. And Lara's like, you know how there was that thing I told you I wanted? I want a child. Like, oh, I mean, wait, it's just like cuts to the point. Uh, okay. I, and she says, I want a child, not I want to be with you. I want yes. us to have a yes. child. She says, I want you to give me a child. Yes. Which is really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And she's like, you know, I've tried to be patient, but I saw something in you tonight that, you know, you seem like, basically, it seems like Jack is like really sort of settling into life on Adora. And she's like, so now is the time for you to give me a child. And he's like, I'm never going to stop like missing Earth and kind of wishing to find a way home. And she's like, that's not the part of you that I want. Okay. I, um, I don't know. This kind of like as much as I like the story, this conversation is all like, um, uh, um, anyway, bow, chick, bow, bow. So Tilk is getting ready to head through the gate. And as we said earlier, he basically has a harpoon gun with rope attached to it, which given everything we've been told about how gate travel works should not be a feasible option, but it is. So we're just going to have to go with it. Yeah. We have had, we have had multiple discussions on how does a stargate determine a whole object? Yes. I don't know. Maybe like the velocity of, the harpoon or maybe it's able to differentiate the like the metal harpoon from the rope material and so like the the actual pokey bit i don't know i think if there have been other episodes where like partial things go through well there have been times where the gate has like dick stuff on the other side yeah well it has been cut off and things have been like left behind like a couple like sometimes (laughs) staff weapons get cut off as people run through and people's heads Yes, the back of Kowalski's head. But that was also us, like, manually shutting down the gate. Yeah, that's when it turns off. Yeah. I don't know. This shouldn't work, but it does, so we're just going to have to go with it. So really, yeah, because I'm trying to think, like, by this logic, if you just kind of, like, stick your arm through, could you, like, wave at the other planet? From what we've been told, no. There just nothing would happen. But by this episode's logic, you might be able to. (laughs) By this episode's logic, possibly. Mm-hmm. So it's the next morning on Edora. Jack is chopping wood, but not very well because you know, he's hung over from the rock cut the night before. And Painin comments basically that it's sort of about time Jack got his head out of his ass about Lara. So apparently everybody else on the planet is like in favor of Jack and Lara being a thing. So well, that's cool. Everybody else on the planet at this point in time is only like 12 other people. That's true. Yeah. So... People notice things. Yes. Especially when your whole town is maybe 20 people maximum. Yep. So Tilk has made it to the other side and secured himself to the cavern. And he starts, like, drilling up to now get out of the cavern. So Lara then comes out with Jack's old SG-1 stuff. And she's like, maybe it's time to get rid of it. And he's like, well, wait, that's a really nice jacket. All right, fine. Get rid of it. So buy old SG-1 gear, if you will. Uh, so Tilk's going strong, but it's like hard work because he's basically like drilling straight up like above his head. And that's 
never an easy thing to do and the gate's about to shut down and they won't be able to reopen it from earth or else you know Tilk would be vaporized and he has four hours of oxygen so good luck Tilk. And Lara is about to toss Jack stuff into the pond when for some reason she decides to turn on the radio and here's like Sam's uh, voice doing like the countdown to Tilk about the gate shutting down. So that's interesting. What? she gets that all sad yeah. look on her face mm-hmm. and uh later that night at dinner jack is apparently explaining curling to lara and the kids when he notices she's acting a little oddly would you like some fun facts about curling there are fun facts about curling uh, <laughs> oh, no, no, i can curling it's my favorite winter fun. sports don't you be besmirching <laughs> curling Fantastic. i'm sure it's ex- really fun i've just never done it myself so yes tell me some fun facts about curling so curling is believed to have originated in scotland in the 16th century scotland yes however official rules and regulations weren't put into place until 1838 by the grand caledonian club in scotland and then most development of the sport took place in like the earliest 20th century when it was introduced to the Winter Olympic Games in 1924. It was dropped for a few years, but then brought back as a demonstration sport in 1932 at the Lake Games. And it was finally given official Winter Olympic sport status in 1998 and was then named the official sport of the Winter Games in February of 2000. Yes, the official sport of the game. Have you ever had discussions amongst anyone that decided to talk about what they were doing, what you 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 were doing, you were doing, what you were doing, what you were doing, you were doing, you were doing, what you were doing, what you game versus a sport? Well, I think that line's getting a lot more blurred lately with things like there being like official tag clubs and stuff. But I think with sports, there's more like official rules and guidelines for how to play the game. Like, is there, if there's a field, what size the field is, what size and shape the ball has to be, if there's a ball, what constitutes a score in the game. And, you know, team sizes and things, mm-hmm. I think. Well, that could be interesting. That's really nice. Official, like, rules and regulations for the playing of said sport. So you're saying if it's been, if it's been determined to a certain degree of how to play and whatnot? Yes. Like, I don't think kick the can will ever be a sport, but it's certainly a fun game. <laughs> I used to play that all the time. Yep. You know, there's always there's always those arguments of like, is golf really a sport or a game? You don't really have to be in any sort of peak physical condition to play golf. You don't really have no. to train. To, I mean, you do to a certain degree. Yeah. But so it's you know it's those kind of things of like, is mm. it a sport? Is it really? Um, mm. But I have, also, I have way better examples in my head of of when we've had this discussion before. But it is an interesting thing of like, what. In like you know, somebody just asks you real quick, like, what do you think makes it something a sport versus a game? I think that would be my answer. However, now yeah. that you meant that, it's called the Olympic Games. 
mm-hmm. not the Olympic sports. Like oh. the summer, it's the summer Olympic games or the winter Olympic games. Yes. So there's that interesting thing. Mm-hmm. I like curling. If I had to like, if somebody was like, you have to go to the Olympic games, what sport are you doing? I'm like, I'm doing curling. That's my sport. I'm going to do curling. So in, in your mind, curling is a sport, not a game? Yes. Mm-hmm. Curling is a sport. Yes. All right. Because there are rules and regulations that determine the scoring and the size of the playing field and team sizes and stuff. And yeah. Yes. My initial thought of of when I've talked about this to people before is if I tend to think something is more of a sport than a game, if you have to actually train for it to excel at playing it, you know, particularly well. Okay. If you can just, like, go out there and play something and you're on the same level as everybody else playing, to me it's more of a game. But if you have have to have to actually hone a skill or train your body to actually do something in particular, you know, mm-hmm. well, that to me says sport. Well, there is a lot of skill involved in curling. There's like math and geometry and like physics that you have to understand in order to get the rock to go where you want it to go. So while you may not need to be like super, you know, buff dude in that kind of, you have to train your brain. Mm-hmm to be able to play it to an excelled level, if you will. Does that count? What about billiards? Is billiards a sport to you or is that a game? And like bowling, because there's like, you know, professional bowling leagues. Yeah. And like cornhole, sport game. There are tournaments for cornhole. So sport or game. You can just go out and like be awesome at cornhole. You can't. You don't particularly have to train. No. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe you do. Sorry if I've offended anyone. No, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that is a very interesting question. I've never thought about it before, but it's very interesting. Well, hey, now you can impress people at parties. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so anyway, so yeah, so Jack notices Lara is kind of like zoned out and not really paying attention and asking, you know, hey, what's up? And so Lara pulls out the radio and mentions that she heard something on the radio early in the day. Jack takes it, heads out, Garen follows behind, they, you know, approach the area where the gate was, and Jack starts calling out, and Tilk is able to call back, and Jack's like, I'm, and like, you know, I'm running low on oxygen, it's getting hard, and Jack is able to use his radio to find Tilk, like, where he is under the ground, and he and Garen start digging, and there he is, it's Tilk, the stubborn son of a bitch, and they made it. Yay! And I'm so happy... That Lara actually did reveal, hey, I heard this thing, because, like we were talking about before, it isn't just that Jack got stuck there, it's that the rest of the population got stuck on Earth. They need to get home, too. Yes. Yes. So, Mm -hmm. ain't just about Jack. Yep. So, um, sometime later, the gate has apparently been uprighted, and the Adorans who were evacuated are back. And SG-1 is there, and Sam's telling Jack about what they figure out had happened, and he just kind of, like, walks away while she's in the middle of a sentence back. Um, he's like, I don't care. I don't care, yeah. <laughs> unfortunately. Um, and, like, heads back over to Lara, and he asks her to go back to Earth with him, but, of course, she can't. She has to stay here, and he has to go. But there's still the treaty, so, of course, they'll be friends. And also, yeah. their baby, maybe. And the end. Boo. 
So do you think she's pregnant? This is this is the debate of the episode. Do you think Lara was pregnant with Jack's child? Uh, hmm. No. Okay. No. Interesting. Okay. Do you? You do? Yes, I do. Well, I mean, like we said before, she didn't she didn't say, "Hey, Jack, I want to be with you." She said, "I want you to give me a child." Yeah. But I, he's not really the type of person to just like leave a kid. But if she didn't tell him. Yeah. Well, so what would make you think that she was pregnant and didn't tell him? Well, the whole hand on the belly thing. Mm. Well, that could have just been wishful thinking. Yeah, I mean, there is that. There's no yeah. concrete proof. It's just, you know, hands on the belly thing is the, the international sign of, I am with child. But the time frame at which they did sleep together versus when she got rid of his clothes and they eventually got rescued and everything, what is supposed to be that time frame? So long enough for her to actually to find out that she's pregnant? He, okay, so they sleep together. The next morning is when she tosses his stuff and hears the radio. And then it's sort of like just like that afternoon slash evening she tells Jack. So that's less than 24 hours from right. sleeping together to, hey, your radio made noise. And then they're not going to like pull the gate upright in like an hour because they got to finish like bear- unbearing the whole gate, get it back upright. So I imagine that would take a couple days, maybe a week. Who knows? Maybe they needed to finish building some homes for people before they actually like told the Adorans, okay, you can come home because it sounds like there were probably quite a few buildings that got destroyed. So I don't know, maybe a week or so between sleeping together and then everybody this end of the episode bit. Yeah, I'm going to go with that's hopeful thinking then of touching it. Yeah, it is. Yeah. But. Unless she's really, really in tune with her body. She could be. Who knows? Which I mean, she, she has already be. she has already had a child, so she knows what, you know, that's like for her. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Um, While we're on this topic, um, apparently Rick had given an interview in 2001 to TV Zone magazine where, uh, like, this episode is brought up, and he said there was an episode in our third season in which we gave every indication that O'Neill had fathered a child. Earlier this year, season five is when this was, uh, I asked Brad Wright if he'd ever considered doing a story in which O'Neill goes back to the planet and discovers that he's got a child. And if we did, I'd like it to be a daughter, only because he's already had a son. I'd love to see a relationship like that unfold in front of the cameras. So even oh. Rick thought he was he like that Jack had a little baby O'Neill out there. After like a week. All right. Yeah, why not? No. So the other question was two-parter, do you think? Yes. Because one of one of the things I saw is like criticism is just the very rushed ending of this episode. Like we've discussed many times before, the ending is just like, and we're done. You know, wrap everything up in two minutes. So, mm-hmm. do you think two parter for this still after we discussed the whole thing? Uh, you know, I do, and and I think that it would have given them the opportunity to really expand on him becoming a part of the community mm-hmm. and. Um, also give them an opportunity to show just how much effort everyone back at the SGC was putting in to go find them. Because really, yeah. you only have that one scene with Carter, you know, saying that she had stayed up the last few nights doing all-nighters trying to get the thing working. That yeah. conversation with Janet. Like, that's really all you get in terms of showing how much effort they were putting in to, to you know, get things done from their side. Yeah. I think and it would have been great. Yeah, and then we could maybe actually see in a conversation between Daniel and the Tolan of, hey, kid, you help us out? 
Jack is stuck rather than just having, you know, Janet have that throwaway line of Daniel said the toll and I'll be there next year. Yeah. And checked in with some of the refugees, perhaps see how they're doing. Yeah. Okay. So they were question, like, where do you think the refugees were? Like, do you think there's room in the SGC for, I don't need that number of people for three months. Or do you think they found them like temporary lodgings and apartments nearby? <laughs> right. Have yeah. some sort of this housing. Yeah. I even, I even read some things that some people were like, maybe, you know, we asked the people in the land of light again, hey, can you take in some more refugees where we seem to send everybody in the early seasons <laughs> of SG1? <laughs> can you take in a few more people for us? That would be cool. Yeah, that's true, because maybe, maybe some of those people would have liked it better there. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they don't mention where they put them. No. They house them on Earthernet. So yeah, that could have that could have been explored of what does Earth do with yeah. alien refugees. Yeah, that could have been interesting. Yeah, a little B plot line for this episode. Yeah. Okay. Um, memos for this week. Oh man, I didn't even think of any. Well, I guess it. I guess I guess the only plot hole we really discovered was the harpoon. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, do we need to go with the don't sleep with aliens again? <laughs> <laughs> You know what? Yes, I think I feel really that needs to be probably communicated again. Of don't sleep with people on other planets, <laughs> unless it looks like you will never get home. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. And so, episode title: 100 Days. Obviously, unfortunately, there's not a lot of really fun foreign language territory titles this week. Um, they're mostly just 100 Days. Um, except for were any of them 100 days um well i mean it's like the number for 100 so Mm, it would just depend on how you want to translate that back Mm. into english Mm. so but uh in french it was the fire rain oh okay and then in german it's just o'neill and lara so usually the Germans are pretty good, but this week they're kind of, they're kind of crapping out on us. That's and not being super awesome. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so this is one, another one of those episodes that's really kind of people either love it or hate it. And it really comes down to, I think how people interpret, you know, Jack and Lara's relationship and how quickly quote unquote, it seems like Jack moves on, which again is might something that might've helped this being a two parter. I think so. Yeah. But I like it. Like, it's not in my, like, favorites, but it's in, like, the top half of the season for me. I'll say that. Yeah. I'm trying to think, uh, you know, if you are stranded somewhere, at what, how, I mean, how long would you allow yourself to hold out hope that people are coming for you before you have to be like, you know what, (laughs) I don't want to just be sitting by myself waiting. Yeah. I mean, that is a very good question. Yeah. And I mean, even if Jack was be like, was still like, okay, I'm here. I'm part of this community. I, as he says, there's, I think there's always a part of him that's going to be like, somebody will come for me. Like, I'm not going to be here forever, but while I'm here, let me participate and be a helpful member of this society and not a burden. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Yeah, but uh, relationship-wise, too. Like, yeah. at what point in time do you go, I don't <laughs> I don't want to be alone here. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and I, I don't know if I could answer that question because I've never been in that. 
situation. What? You've never been stranded on no. a desert island or another planet or? No, I haven't. Anywhere? No. There's no point in time where you were supposed to get picked up and your husband forgot. And so you were like, you know what? I don't. <laughs> Moving on with my life. <laughs> uh, no, I can't say that that's ever happened to me. No, no. I've been lucky. <laughs> um. Anyway, I think that's all for this week. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Generally, I did like this one, but I guess probably because I didn't really think she was pregnant at the end, and apparently I was wrong. Who knows? It's what it's one of those yeah. unanswered questions that we'll never get from the Stargate Cinematic Universe, if you will. I was about to say Stargate Universe, but I was like, no, that's the actual name of the show, so I can't just call it that. <laughs> the Stargate Place and the Things. <laughs> with stuff and things? Yes. Stargate Place and the Things with the stuff. Okay. That's good. <laughs> Okay. All right. Well, thank you for listening this week, everybody. As always, you can find us on Twitter at SG underscore rewatch or send us an email at woo. That's W-O-O-S-G rewatch at gmail.com. Don't forget to rate and review us, please. And we will see you next week for Shades of Grey. Not the not the steamy book series. No, not 50 shades, just just shades of gray. There's no, no 50 okay, just, in this one. We don't even know how many shades of gray this is. No, no, All there's right. there's too many to put a number to. Oh, man, that's scandalous on its own. Yeah, isn't it? Yep. <laughs> All right. Okay, bye. Bye.